Wow. Before uh, Stapes standing for a moment here, just, yeah, as Pastor just referenced, just landed. Uh, we came from, from Australia. From Australia, we, we ended up going to Nashville. And in Nashville, it snowed just a few inches and they couldn't handle it. <clears throat> they really couldn't. <laughs> they forgot to have any de-icing liquid. And then, so that flight, that flight was delayed for three and a half hours. They got to Charlotte and then there was another glitch in the matrix, missed that connection. But, and here we are by the grace of God for such a time as this. I was with you last time in 2021, coming out of, in the midst of the cuckoo for Cocoa Puff COVID pandemic. And, but I just need to do this. And, and like every time I come here, I remind you of this. It's a gift, it's a blessing, it's an honor in the spirit of Ephesians 6, 1 through 4, but it's beautiful and it's legit. So it's not part of the, like the rhetoric and the polity. You already know it. You have the best pastors on the planet. Please, hi. Come on, help me up. Oh, Father Abraham. Help the Abraham fam. You guys are simply the best. We love you, we honor you. All right, you may be seated. If you want to be seated, I want to expedite the process. Are there any questions? Great. We're going to get right into the Word. Here's the assignment. Acts chapter 28. Acts 28. Any version that you have in your Bible, on your iPhone. Uh, if you still have an Android, would you repent already? We would like to group chat, and you messed it up for all of us. No, I'm kidding. You're, you're saved. You're saved. You're saved. Barely. Okay. Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. Somebody say Malta. The islanders showed us unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood. He put it on the fire. A viper driven out by the heat fastened itself on his hand. Verse 5. But Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. And we're going to get to how Paul got to Malta. What was he doing? What's he doing having like a dinner date with snakes? All of that. But I want to speak to you on the subject matter. An anointing born out of adversity changes the world. The subtext is this, which you will get about five minutes into it. Come hell or high water, I'm on my way to Rome. Come hell or high water, I'm on my way to Rome. Touch the neighbor you like the most and tell him, come hell or high water, I'm on my way to Rome. Tell the other neighbor the one you barely tolerate. And touch that neighbor and tell him, come hell or high water, I'm on my way to Rome. Now touch the neighbor that doesn't want to be touched and get ready for a lawsuit. Let's continue now real quick. If you're taking any notes, and good luck with that, number one, you and your house are anointed for Rome. That means greater things. Your destiny is not based on what's in front of you. Your destiny is based on who's inside of you. Tu destino no está basado en lo que está al frente de ti. Tu destino está basado en aquel que está dentro de ti. That message brought to you by Hooked on Phonics. So here it is. Here's the story. It's a movie. We have Paul. He's drenched. And I mean drenched. He just suffered a shipwreck. He had his own version of the Titanic. The ship went down. Here's Paul, along with his shipmates. They made it to the shoreline of an island called Malta. They get to Malta. I was just there this past summer. They get to Malta. Some of them got there, the Bible says, by holding on to pieces of broken wood from the ship that fell apart. And so Paul is drenched. He swam to the shoreline. He gets there. He's cold. Already the people of Malta, who had a great spirit of hospitality, they welcomed them. They set up fire pits. Paul is drenched. He picks up more wood because he's cold. And in the midst of the brushwood was a viper, a snake. When the snake made contact with the fire, the snake jumped out and grabbed the hold of Paul's hand. One version would read, it bit his hand. Now everyone around expected him to die, to swell up and die. Here it is, explicitly. Acts chapter 28, they expected him to die. But he didn't. 
The question is, why is Paul in Malta? Why the shipwreck? Paul was on his way to Rome, Acts 27.1. It was decided we would sail for Italy for Rome. Somebody shout Rome. Why Rome? Paul was on his way to Rome, not for a mani-pedi, not for a recital, and not for a gathering of the Road to Damascus Association. He was on his way to Rome because four chapters prior, God gave Paul his biggest assignment. Acts 23, 11. That night, the Lord appeared to Paul and said, be encouraged. As you have been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you must preach the good news in Rome as well. Paul was on his way to Rome to preach the good news on the biggest stage of the ancient world. Paul was on his way to Rome to change the world with the preaching of the gospel of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, if Paul never would have made it to Rome, arguably our very presence in this building in Oxnard, California is questionable. That trip to Rome was the trip that changed everything. The gospel went viral. This is how the gospel went global right here in this trip. He was on his way to Rome because everyone was in need of the gospel. I need you to get ready. I don't give a holy hood what you're reading, what you're seeing on social media. I know it's a, it's a 2024 election year and things are divided and all that and the rumors out. It doesn't really matter. We are about to see more people come to Jesus as Lord and Savior than ever before. I'm going to repeat that one more time. We are about to see the gospel of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ, reach every nation, every ethnicity, every generation, every demographic without exception. We are on our way to Rome. We, you can't stop God. I say a 1427, God's plans cannot be stopped. Matthew 24, 14, and the good news about the kingdom will be preached throughout the entire world. The nations will hear it, and then the end will come. Oh, God is up to something. God is up to something. I'm going to prove to you. It's not hype. It's not prophetic spaghetti on the wall. God is up to something. In the past 12 months, let me lay out just the past 12 months. If you don't think God is up to something, in the past year, past 12 months, it began about a year ago when an NFL football player died live on national television. Damar Hamlin. He dies live. We've never seen that before. Monday night football, football player, NFL, Damar Hamlin, dies live on national television. Both teams coalesce and begin to pray for him there on national television. Damar Hamlin dies, teams pray, people around the country began to pray, and the young man who was dead came back to life. I don't know, you heard that. So I don't care if you think, that's why we can't drink the idea that the next generation will be lost. We are about to see a revival in the emerging generation like we have never seen before. Across Damar Hamlin dies. They pray, he comes back to life. By the way, DeMar Hamlin post facto in an interview said, when they asked him what, what happened, he said, God resurrected me. So, but, but, but the next day on ESPN, please do your Google due diligence on this. Make sure I'm not making it up. The next day on ESPN, the reporter, the host of NFL Today comes out. Y'all may have seen this. He comes out and then he's going like this. Well, I want to talk about what happened yesterday. We've never seen that before. We, we have a player who died. And he's, he, the host is going, he died. And, and people prayed. And, 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 and Damar, who was dead, people prayed, he came back to life. This is ESPN now, not TBN or Daystar or God TV, you down of OPP. This, this was ESPN. So, you know, and he came back to life. Over here, another guy comes out and says like, well, yeah, I get that, but we're going to have, NFL's going to have to revisit his protocol. They have a concussion protocol, but now they should look at hitting above the sternum or in the sternum area because that area there is very precarious. There's, there's a lot of, and, and the guy goes, yeah, 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 I get that. That's not the point. He died. People prayed. He came back to life. The lady over here goes, understood, and there are some playoff implications here now. Because the calendar, they may shift. They, they, do they cancel the playoffs? Do they postpone it? In light of what happened, is there, there are some, and he goes, yeah, no, no, that's not really the point right now. Here's the point I'm trying to make. This is ESPN. He goes, this is the point I'm trying to make. Damar died, 100% medically certifiably dead. People prayed, and the dead guy, he came back to life. And then on ESPN Live, he goes, 
you know what? He looks at the camera and says, I think we should pray. Usually the camera would break, like commercial break. The producer back in the booth would go like, break. This guy's, he's going rogue. He's off the rails. Break, break, break. But they didn't. Like everybody froze. Even the people here went like, yeah, I think we should pray. And so look it up on YouTube. And they begin to pray live on ESPN. And in the middle of the prayer, the host says this, because we do serve the God that has the power to heal. We serve the God that has the power to heal. Is there anyone here in Oxnard, California, New Life? How many know that our God is a saving God, a delivering God, a healing God? What a mighty God we serve. It's not a coincidence that right after that, Right after that, right after, in a, in a city that you've never even maybe Asbury, Kentucky? Wait, wait. Asbury, Kentucky. It, it's not a coincidence. Right after that miracle, Asbury, Kentucky, a bunch of young people, the same identical demographic deemed as the most non-Christian demographic in American history, Generation Z, Somehow, they're gathering in this university where they can't stop praying, reading God's word, worshiping the Lord, inviting the Holy Spirit, and they couldn't stop. And they try to go back to class, and they couldn't stop. And they try to go back to class, and they couldn't stop. And they try to go back to class, and they couldn't stop. And then, the, and then it, it seems that God never got the memo about Generation Z. Because then, then people started traveling all around the world to, to Asbury, Kentucky, and they kept on worshiping, and that gave a snowball effect. Baylor University, universities across the country, not just Christian, but secular universities, the Holy Spirit shows up. In other words, that generation will not be lost. That generation will be saved. I came here to declare prophetically our children and our children's children and our children's 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 children will not go to hell, will not be lost, will not be bound by addiction and sin. They will serve the Lord. As for me and my house, come on, if you believe it, shout like you know. Right after that, my friend Greg Laurie, in Orange County, he, he produced a film, a film called The Jesus Revolution about basically the hippies who came to Jesus in the late 1960s, 68, all the way through 73, 74, uh, way before my time. And so, so he, this film was supposed to have made $7 million in box office receipts. It's made over $50 million. And just a few months ago, here's Greg at Pirate's Cove baptizing an additional 4,000-plus brand-new Christians who are receiving Christ as Lord and Savior. Immediately after that, immediately after that, my friends and I gathered in Amsterdam, in Europe, and by meeting friends, 7,000 plus key leaders and pastors to sign an agreement. The agreement is this, by 2033, every single person in the world will receive a viable presentation of the gospel of Jesus. Now you may be going like, everyone's heard about Jesus, wrong. Wrong. There are billions of people right now, according to some studies from Regents, approximately 3 billion people have yet to receive a viable presentation because there are countries that restrict. You can't even mention the name of Jesus. They restrict any reference to Jesus on the internet, on social media, and so forth. So there are billions of people yet to receive a viable presentation of the gospel of Jesus, a measurable, viable presentation. So we believe, we, we believe believe that by 2033, the entire world, every ethnicity, every ethnic group will hear that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Are we streaming? Are we streaming right now? I'm going to say it. Every nation in the world will hear the gospel of Jesus. I'm going to be clear. Every democratic nation, every Muslim nation, every secular nation, um, every letter in the alphabet will hear the gospel of Jesus. Every letter of the alphabet, AARP, NAACP, OPP, LGBTQ, from A to Z, everyone's going to hear that Jesus saves, that Jesus delivers, that Jesus heals, and that Jesus is coming back again.
And that, my friends, is a beautiful thing. It is. Matter of fact, raise your right hand. Let's make a declaration. Repeat after me in the next 12 months. More people will come to Jesus through my testimony, through my mantle of anointing, than all of my years previous combined. In Jesus' name, I'm on my way to Rome. If you believe it, praise like you actually, people are going to get saved through your life. And if you argue, if, if, you're, if you double down on the notion, you go, Pastor Sam, is that like wishful thinking? Do you really believe everyone's going to hear that? Do you believe there's a revival and awakening? It's already begun. I mean, it's already begun. And by the way, there's a, there's a Latino artist whose name you may not have any clue. His name is Daddy Yankee. If you're not Latino, you think he plays for the Yankees. He doesn't. This is a guy que le gusta la gasolina. <clears throat> what does that mean, Pastor Sam? You don't want to know. But recently in the middle of a concert, this is like, this guy has 19 million followers. In the middle of a concert, he stands up in the middle of a concert, he says, I just want to make an announcement. I've had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ that changed my life. I'm a faith and science guy. Andrew Huberman from Stanford University who is the head of neurobiology at Stanford University. He's a biohacker. Uh, look him up. He is a brilliant thinker, regarded as one of the most intellectually inclined person on the planet. And this man, who is very well known, the head of neurobiology at Stanford University, this past year, this past year, <laughs> one of the smartest people on earth, he looks on his podcast, looks at the camera and says, I just want to make this announcement. And I'm not, yeah, here it is. He just laid it out and said, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest, uh, uh, I've had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life, and I'm just, I'm telling you, God is up to something. And if you're saying, if you're saying, but man, Pastor Sam, you're denying the fact that we're living in the last days. Aren't you denying the fact that we're living in dark times, things are going to get darker? You know, I'm not denying the fact that things are getting darker, and I'm fully cognizant of the exhaustive list of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I know what Paul says in 2 Timothy 3, and I'm privy to the list in Matthew 24. I get it. In the last days, men and women will become lovers of themselves. We call that narcissism, without a doubt. And some of the accounts on Instagram, in the last days, men and women will deviate from their natural sexual desires. That's the state of California. So I get that. But there is a last day promise that prompted me to get on a flight, wait three hours, delayed in Nashville, drank about one million Starbucks, and, and to get here. And what prompted me to get on a flight and get here today, there's one more last day promise. And this is the one that I hold on to. In the last days, it's so powerful, it's repeated in Joel chapter 2, verse 28 and Acts 2, 17. In the last days, God never said I might. He never said I'm hoping to. He never said I may. He never even said if you all check the boxes, I will. He said no, I de definitely, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. We are about to see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we have never, ever, ever, ever seen before. We're on our way to Rome. We're on our way to Rome. Number two, you and your house are anointed for the storm. You're either storm-driven or destiny-driven. The storm does not define you. The storm reveals who you really are. I'll repeat that for the hearing impaired. The storm does not define you. The storm reveals who you really are. So here's the story. Here's Paul. You're on your way to Rome, Paul. This is it. The gospel goes viral. Thank you, God. Never gave him specifics. You're on your way to Rome. Muchas gracias. Ahí vamos. Échale ganas, carnal. Ahí vamos. So you would assume that Paul's on his way to Rome on a Norwegian cruise line. Royal Caribbean. Celebrity X. Carnival. And for all the bougie people, Viking cruise lines. <laughs> no, he's on his way to Rome on a prison ship. On a prison ship. Like that detail was excluded in Acts 23, 11. So you're on your way to Rome. He's on a And all of a sudden, a nor'easter kicks in. A de facto hurricane in the middle of the sea. And the ship begins to be battered by the winds. Read it. Slapped around like a cheap piñata. That's slightly racist. I'll take that back. Just slapped around. Slight, slapped around, right? The thing begins to fall. Now, read verse 15, 17. This is really bright. The Bible says that those in charge of the ship decided that it would be better to be driven by the storm. 
Let, let, let's let the storm drive us, because if we try to fight the storm, we're going to fall apart. They decided to be driven by the storm, by the circumstance. We are all driven people. Every single person here is driven. You're either driven by your past or by the future, by the pathetic or the prophetic. You're either driven by problems or promises, by nightmares or dreams, by the flesh or the spirit. You're either driven by Google searches or godly searches. We're either driven by drama or by destiny, by trauma or by testimony. We're either driven by praise or by criticism. And as it pertains to praise and criticism, the opinions of others, here it's real simple. If their praise did not make you, their criticism cannot break you. We have too many Christians that spend more time reacting to what comes from hell rather than what comes from heaven. I'm going to get in trouble now. I may not get invited again. We have too many believers driven by the winds of cancel culture, ideologies, and social constructs that are counterintuitive to the word and the spirit of God. We have too many believers, unfortunately, driven by opinions and feelings instead of being driven by truth and love. What drives you? They determined it would be better to be driven by the storm. What drives you? Recently, I was in conversations with give you a story about how this story is applicable for us. In the past year, we've lived this to a degree. I'm going to be nuanced and whimsical about this. So, okay, gotcha. Okay. Speaking to myself and I respond. Um, so in, in, in Northern California, Sacramento, we got a call. And we got a call, which and it sounded like this. Pastor Sam, in our church, by the grace of God, only by his grace, it's his harvest, his church, uh, we grew during COVID and grew even more out of COVID where the county came in and gave us a warning and, and basically we're not going to summon you yet, but you have more people than seats, that sort of thing, right? Multiple services and God is just moving, so we need a bigger place. By coincidence, I get a call from a very prominent ministry in Northern California whose name for ethical reasons I will not share. But just, it's a, a, good, it's a good ministry, but the pastor called me up and said, hey, would, would the, the, actually the, the, the finance committee chair called me up on behalf of the pastor. Pastor Sam, would you have any interest in taking over this campus? Talk to me what's going on. We didn't survive COVID, they said. We've lost over 1,500 people, and we, we have a church. We have three auditoriums. One fits 3,000, another one fits 1,018. The third auditorium fits 300. On 47 acres, approximate worth $80 million, highway frontage property, signage, all of that. We just did some, some great investments in some deferred maintenance, but we can't afford anything, and there's $25 million of debt. So uh, would you have any interest? So, I mean, the debt part I wasn't interested in, to be honest. <laughs> Just being very honest. But I was interested in pursuing a conversation. And, and going, if God's in it, he'll provide. So I'm going, oh, you know what? I'm interested. We began a, a deliberative process about five different conversations. And then it happened. Five, one, two, three, four, five. All right. The pastor calls me up and says, yeah, we're doing this. Come in. Let's meet. Our board will meet with your board. Let's sign an MOU. Let's begin the execution of this merger where your ministry takes over our ministry. And so I met. I'm going like, Wow. So we met, my, my board, we met initially. They never gave me like, some insight in respect to what questions would be asked in that meeting. This is the MOU, we have any questions meeting. So, but nothing was given to me, like here's a list of questions, nothing. So I met, it, I met, I met at a coffee establishment whose name I will not mention is the one with Jezebel on the cup. So I, 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 so I sat down and, and with my team and we met there and I'm drinking my almond milk latte and, and everyone's there and they're going, what questions are they going to ask? And I'm thinking, well, they're going to ask fiduciary governance questions. They're going to ask questions about integration of systems, uh, attrition of current employees, risk management, liabilities, maybe, you know, whether or not we'll have a Slavic service, a Spanish service, probably questions of why do I speak so fast? Um, I mean, questions that are applicable and should be asked, by the way. And so, yeah, yeah, let's, so we're, I'm, we're strategizing. We really are. Are we done? We're done. It's time. We cross the street and we go into their canvas. We meet. And this is about what drives you. And so I look across the table. I'm here. My team is here. Where's George? George's wife is there, Kim Hicks, who's our board secretary. And we're seated and I'm going around and I'm going, yeah. And they go, Pastor Sam, thank you for coming. Well, let's begin. Begin. First question. First question. Not the second, third, fourth. First question. I'm thinking, all right, here goes. Sam, you got this. Come on, Sammy. This is it. And I'm going, go ahead, please. A guy looks at me straight up and says, hey, Pastor Sam, thank you for being here. We have this first question for you. It's a statement with a question. I go, please proceed. Pastor Sam, our church, we lean left. 
Where do you lean? So help me God. I had no idea, no clue. I'm think, so I'm thinking, again, you, you got to put this in my perspective. I'm a, I'm a, I'm, everything I do, preaching, be it movies or whatever we do, but I'm a comedian. So when, when that first happened, the first thing that came to my mind was not like you're being tested, this could be good. No, the first thing that came to my mind was, dude, you have enough jokes here for the next three years, man. You're like, you're, you are covered. So I looked up, and, and this is my face, so help me. His wife witnessed this. We had our board there. He, where our church leans left? Where do you lean? And this is my reaction. And then there was a sign and a wonder. Nothing came out of my mouth. <sighs> and I really, really mean nothing. Like nothing would come out. Complete silence. My team is looking at me going like, Pastor, say something. They're all looking like, we've never seen Pastor so silent. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> and, and, and nothing would come out. And the reason is I'm fighting with the Holy Spirit. I really am. Because the Holy Spirit is telling me, Sammy, say it. Go ahead, say it. Tell them what I want you to say. And I didn't, I'm going, no quiero. <laughs> no quiero. Samuel, abre tu boca y di lo que te estoy diciendo. No quiero, Señor. No quiero. Samuelito, <laughs> abre tu boca, hijo. And I'm going like, I'm doing this. The reason is because I knew that if I would say what the Holy Spirit is telling me to say, we're never going to get that building, which we didn't. <laughs> because, so he, he said, finally, Sam. And when you fight with the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit wins. So I looked up, and I went like this. And I went like, thank you for your question. Well, with great due deference, your question is, our church leans up, where do you lean? In respect to your question, at new season at our church, with great due deference, we don't lean. We stand. We don't lean, we stand. We don't need Christians that lean left or right. We need a church that'll stand on the promises of God, the finished work of Christ, on the word of God. In other words, whatever the Bible calls holy, we call holy. Whatever the Bible calls sin, we call sin. We don't need families and believers to lean to the left or to the right. We need a church that'll stand in the name of Jesus. If that's you, praise like you're standing. Worship like you're standing. If you're standing, lift up your hand. It's time for the church to stop bleeding and start standing. Listen to me. Stand up for biblical truth. Stand up for righteousness and justice. Stand up for our children. I'm going to say that one more time. Stand up for our children. I may not get invited again. Stand up for our children. And by the way, there's enough faith in this room. We have enough anointing in this room to look at every devil, demon coming after our kids. We have enough faith in this room to tell every lie of the enemy coming against our children, get your hands off our children. Raise your right hand. Stand up for holy sexuality. Stand up for the family. Stand up for godliness. Stand up for life, religious liberty, biblical justice, for racial unity. Stand up for the gospel. And don't just stand inside the church. Don't just stand in the conference. Stand up in the school board meeting. Stand up in the middle of Target. Put on the full armor of God. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, stand. Somebody shout like you're standing. We're about to see a church in California rise up that doesn't lean to the left or to the right. That's not driven by ideologies and social constructs or even politicians. We stand in the finished work of Jesus. Repeat after me, I don't lean, I stand. Come hell or high water, I'm on my way to Rome. Stand, lift up your hands. Where are the musicians? Keyboardists, I'll give you half the honorarium if you start playing immediately.
No, really, immediately. No, en serio, cuando quieras. Ahí está. You gave me that look like, is he serious? Yeah, 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 yeah. And by the way, I was joking about the honorary. I'm not giving you anything. I'll give you a free book in my mind. Let's be driven. No, 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 no. You can't. We can't be driven by the current winds, ideologies, teachings, reverberations of what takes place. That's counterintuitive to the reality that you and I are anointed to stand. We stand. Stand firm. 1 Corinthians 16, 13. Stand firm. We need Christians that stand. Stand. Let me wrap up here. God gives them a word. Right there. God gives them Paul word. Here's the hurricane. The nor'easter. The ship begins to fall apart. What a crazy word. If you would hear this word, I think you would freak out. I would freak out. Here's the word of the Lord that God gave. Paul comes out, filled with the Holy Spirit, and articulates what God has already decreed. Here's the word. Are you ready for the word? Imagine if you get this word. If your ship is falling apart, right? Here's the ship falling apart, and here's the word. Paul, here's the word. What's the word, Paul? Are you ready for the word? Here's the word. Speak to me, God. Hablame Dios. Here's the word. Hey, Paul. You see in the middle of the storm now, imagine this. You see that ship you're in? Yes, God. Paul, here's the word. That ship will not make it. Like, who says that? But the comma is so powerful. Paul, that ship will not make it, but you will. I feel the Lord. For the next 90 seconds, I want to preach to everybody who lost a ship, but you're still here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You lost something you depended on, but somehow you're still here. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You lost some followers, but not your faith. You, you may have lost your mind, but you never lost your mantle. Somebody prays like you're still here. There are relationships that didn't make it, but you're still here. There are ideas that didn't make it, but you're still here. There are seasons that didn't make it, but you did. And even about that person, about that income, about that door, you're still here. You lost connections, but not the calling. And sometimes we lose the ship but we never lose the destiny. Never lose the destiny. Why are you here? Hebrews 10, 23. He is faithful to keep his promise. Isaiah 43, 13. From eternity to eternity, I am God. No one can snatch anything away from my hand. Here's God speaking. What I have done cannot be undone. God is not interested in renovating your past. He is interested in releasing your future. So with great empathy, whatever you've lost, and I know it came with pain and discomfort, I've been there. Let's, let's just do it. Let's stop working for the marketing department of darkness. In other words, stop saying, look what the devil did, and start shouting, look what the Lord has done. Somebody look at your neighbor, tell him, look what the Lord has done. Tell him, I'm still here. I'm still standing. I'm still praising. I'm still worshiping. I'm still believing. I'm still calling upon the name of the Lord. I'm still going from glory to glory. The promises of God are still yes and amen. You lost your ship, but you still have your anointing. You lost your ship, but you still have your calling. You lost your ship, but you still have Jesus. And Jesus has you. Romans eleven twenty nine. The gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. Without repentance cannot be rescinded. Oh, all right, stand with, stand with me. I'm going to call you out here. To be faithful to the word. There was another statement. Heaven visited Paul and said, uh, by the way, additional line, 
not only will you make it, this is a crazy line. Read it. But everyone in your ship will make it too. Those that know, know. Y'all need to act, think, pray, talk, and prophesy like everyone in your ship will make it. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you and your household will be saved at 1631. They will make it. They will make it. They will make it. And then the ship fell apart. Literally. They all fell out into the right there into the sea. And this is how they got to the shoreline. Holding on to broken pieces. Holding on to a piece of a ship that fell apart. So to everyone here, if you've never been here, you may want to get on your phone right now and do something else. But if you've ever been in a place that all you were holding on to was a broken piece of a dream, of an impartation, of a word that was given. Here's what I discovered in my journey. I discovered that a broken praise is still a praise. I discovered that a wounded worshiper is still a worshiper. And this will get the Pharisees upset. I discovered that a prodigal son is still a son and a prodigal daughter is still a daughter. How many have discovered that God does great things with broken pieces? I'm going to ask one more time. How many have discovered that God does great things with broken pieces? If it's broken, God can use it. We are pressed every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9. The purpose of God is greater than the brokenness of man. Repeat after me, God does great things with broken pieces. God will use pieces of your wreck to get you to the shoreline. If it's broken, God can fix it. If it's empty, God can fill it. If it failed, God can restore it. If it's sin, God can forgive it. If it's wrong, God can make it right. If it's crooked, God can make it straight. If it fell, God can pick it up. If it's paralyzed, God can make it move. And if it died, we serve the God that has the power to resurrect it. Vulnerability. Vulnerability leads to victory in an atmosphere full of God's presence. God does great things to broken pieces. That's it. I'm going to call you out. That's how we get to Malta. He's freezing. Brushwood. In the brushwood. In the brushwood was a snake hiding. The moment the snake made contact with the fire pit, what did the snake do? Grabbed a hold of Paul's hand. <sighs> Driven by the what? by the heat. Can you lift up your hands for one moment? Wherever there is revival fire, the vipers will be exposed. The fire of God, Matthew 3, 11, Acts 2, 3, Holy Ghost and fire. Here it is. We, 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 the fire of God to the believer is not punitive, it is protective. The fire of God is a sanctifying fire, a purifying fire. In other words, when the snake made contact with the fire, the snake hates the fire. If there's fire in your life, the fire of God's spirit, that fire in the altar of Leviticus that will never ever be turned off, that fire, that a Christian shouldn't be afraid of God's holy fire because it's a purging fire, a sanctifying fire, but it is powerful because if your family is on fire with Jesus, your family is officially a snake-free zone. I'm gonna repeat that one more time. 
your family, tu casa, tu familia, your family is a snake-free zone. What does that mean? Because of the fire of God in you and around you, there's not a devil in hell or a demon on earth that will be able to take away what God has ordained for you and your house. Somebody prays like you're a snake-free zone. Five your neighbor, tell them my family, my house, my health, my mind, snake free zone because the fire of God is inside of me. Snake free zone, snake free zone, snake free zone. So that's it, that's it. And he looks at it, and yeah, no conversation, they didn't freak out, they didn't become cynical. I can't believe I survived the storm and now I gotta fight this snake. I, nope. This is what he did. What did he do? He just did what? That's it, man. One of the greatest things a Christian needs to learn how to do is shake things off. Shake it off. So let's do it. If in the past one year, two year, three years, you've been through a journey similar to this, if, if something came your way that tested tested the gravitas, your commitment, the certainty of whether or not you stand in God's promises or be driven by the circumstance. If you've lost a ship along the way, if you know you have God-ordained destiny, but how you get to the fulfillment of that destiny, there are question marks there. And even if you've been through your shipwreck and you've held on to pieces, broken pieces of a dream, an impartation, a vision, and, and if, if the snake came out to poison your destiny, purpose, and dream, your integrity, then I want you to do this. If something has come out for the purpose of just holding you back, deterring you from reaching your Rome, we all have a Rome. If, if a snake came out, you know what I'm talking about, grab a hold of it right now and go, go like this. Some of you should be using both hands because what came against you wasn't a garden snake, straight up cobra. Like this is giant. Some of y'all should be going like, some of you should go like, yo, give me some space, man. It's ginormous. So when I count the three, I want you to shake this thing off. It's gonna look like, this is a cute illustration. No, it's a prophetic act. You're gonna take that snake, and by the way, you're not gonna, don't be like, don't cast it on your neighbor. <sighs> this is not where you scapegoat and project and deflect. Uh-uh. You're gonna take that thing, you think I've kept once and for all, you're gonna cast that thing out. Once it is consumed in that fire, it will never come back against you or your children or your children's children or your children's children's children. So hey, grab a hold of it. When I count to three, I want you to shake it off and cast it into the fire. Shake it off. You're going to make this happen. It's going to happen. Pastor Sam, but I've, I've been through a lot. You're going to make it happen. The snake that came against your marriage and your family and your health and your calling and your purpose, you're going to shake that off. No joke, no hype, no exaggeration. If you've had that kind of season, Matter of fact, I'm going to do it now. If you had a, now, no, please listen to me. If all you had was a garden snake, if, if all you had was a worm that showed up, stay right there where you're seated. But if all hell was unleashed to strangle your God-ordained purpose and to poison your faith, your integrity, then get out of your seat. Join me somewhere now. This is the fire pit. And all we want to do is cast this thing down. If that's you, come out. If you have to think about it, it's not you. But you know who you are. If something ginormous came against you, come out. We're going to shake this thing off. We're going to shake it off. We're going to shake it off. We're going to shake it off. We're going to throw it back into the fire pit where it will never be able to do any harm to you or to your children or your children's children or your children's children's children. We're going to cast it out. You're going to cast it out. Ooh, I sense the Lord. By the way, this is the number one area right here. Look up here. This is where the vipers and the snakes emerge, right here. The attempt to take care of your thoughts and your mind. Anxiety, fear, depression. Right here. We're going to cast the snakes out. We're going to take every thought into captivity. Romans 12, 1 and 2. We're going to renew our minds with the finished work of Christ. We're going to cast out. There is power. I have seen the glory of God show up in the past few months like I've never seen before in my entire life. I've never seen God's glory, His faithfulness. 
2 Thessalonians 3, 3, to protect his children in a very supernatural way. Hebrews 10, 23, he who calls is faithful to do it, he is faithful to fulfill his promises. Our God is a God of promises and he is faithful. Psalm 91, verse 4, his faithful promises are my armor and my protection. He is a faithful God. His word never fails, Luke 1, 37. So we're gonna grab a hold of it, go ahead. Here it is, are you ready? Nothing will be able to stop you. That's not hype. You're on your way to Rome. You're gonna fulfill your God-ordained destiny. Your family will fulfill your family's God-ordained destiny. The enemy no longer has a stronghold on you or your familia. Why? Because when your integrity is greater than your influence, nothing can stop you. I'll repeat that. When your integrity is greater than your influence, nothing can stop you. When your hunger for righteousness is greater than your fear of criticism, nothing can stop you. When you are driven by anointing rather than ambition, nothing can stop you. And here it is. When your praise is louder than your pain, 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 nothing can stop you. I'm on my way to Rome. Are you ready? Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of it. Every lie of the enemy, every attempt of the enemy to rob, kill, and destroy. Ha ha. Se termina aquí esta misma noche en este lugar. Grab a hold of it. Can you imagine Paul, dude? This is a movie, man. The guy survived a shipwreck and a snake pops out. Can you imagine Paul's face like, dude, are you kidding me? Do you have any idea what I just survived? I shouldn't even be here right now. You're attacking the wrong person. If you would have attacked me a year ago, I may have freaked out. If you would have attacked me six months ago, I may have freaked out. But after what I just survived, the same God that saved me over there is the same God that'll show up over here. If he did it before, if he did it before, Somebody shout like you're on your way to Rome! Why? Grab a hold of it. And I just don't want you to go like, Ooh. I want you to take this thing. Every generational curse. Every vestige of addiction. Ha! Every contrary, adversarial, hostile, opposing, antagonistic, action, word, deed, and thought. It's going into this fire. From this moment on, by faith, we declare, undergirded with God's word, that your family becomes a snake-free zone. Uno, dos, grab a hold of it. Every single, every single eye of the enemy, without exception, every snake, every viper, you're on your way to Rome, baby. Everything, everything, everything. Shame, condemnation. You're on your way to Rome. You are forgiven. God loves you. You are Ephesians 2.10. God's workmanship, his masterpiece, created by him to do great things for him before the beginning of time. Let's do it. One, two. And by the way, when you cast it out in there, you may want to find... I know. I just... <laughs> You may, at your discretion, you may want to find the greatest expression of praise. Like you're on your way to Rome. This year, you're going to see this. One, two, one, two, three, cast it. Somebody praise like you're on your way to Rome. Somebody shout like you're on your way to Rome. Somebody worship. Somebody worship like the devil's been defeated. Like nothing can stand in your way. Like the gates of hell shall not, will not, may not prevail against you. I'm on my way to Rome. I'm on my way to Rome.
ready for Rome? Come here, young lady. We're on our way to Rome. We're on our way to Rome. I hope you love like pizza and spaghetti and pasta. <laughs> on our way to Rome. Stretch out your hands real quick here. This really happened. I'm making this up. Read it. This is what the snake attacked. That's what it's saying. Read it. A couple of verses later, the father of the Magnetty Mac of Malta has dysentery and a fever and he's dying. The same thing that the snake attacked was the same part from Paul that God used. He laid his hands, same hands that were attacked by the snake. He laid his hands to heal that man. And then the Bible says everyone who was sick, everyone in Malta was healed. No, I don't know if you know what this means for you. The same area the devil has been attacking in your life will be the same area God's about to use for his glory like never. I don't know if you got that. The same area that the enemy has been attacking will be the same area that will shine for the glory of Jesus. Somebody shout out on my way to Pastor Sam, but my integrity, man, I've been battling with this secret sin, with this thing. If your integrity is under assault, God's about to use your integrity to break people from bondage. What about my finances, my, oh, whatever, your health, whatever it may be, God's flipping it around. If the enemy's been attacking it, God's about to use it. hands on the people around in Malta. Before you get to Rome, you must permit God to use the areas that the enemy attacked, the areas that suffered pain and angst to heal the people around you. Let God use what you went through to heal the people around you. So before you get to Rome, learn to shake things off. Learn to permit God to use the very area that was assaulted to heal the people around you. And the final little nugget for y'all. Here's Paul. Survived the shipwreck, shook things off. God used him. There's revival breaking out. And then Paul goes, hey, hashtag, not a bad day after all. <laughs> right? And you think it's over. But it isn't. They came up to him and were like, oh. Guys, this was amazing. In the matter of fact, y'all need a ship to get to Rome. We're going to provide you a new ship, all the money, all the resources that you need to make it to your place of destiny. So I'm here to prophetically declare that this house is about to experience an outpouring of provision and resources like you have never, ever seen before. I don't know if you got this. New Life, Oxnard, California. Pastors, you're on your way to Rome. Shout of praise! You're on your way to Rome! You're on your way to Rome! You're on your way to Rome! If you got this word, raise your right hand, repeat after me. I'm on my way to Rome. As for me and my house, we are anointed for greater things. We don't lean, we stand. We are driven exclusively by the wind of God's Spirit. Even without that ship, I'm still going to make it. Everyone in my ship will make it. I am anointed to shake things off. And the very area the enemy attacked will be the same area God will use for His glory. I'm on my way to Rome. Give God one more praise. You got this word? We're on our way to Rome. Close your eyes for 20 seconds. Close your eyes. 
on your way to Rome. A new anointing. Behold, I do a new thing. I say in 43, 19, do you not see that I've already begun? I am making a pathway in the wilderness. I am making rivers in the dry wasteland. I'm, you're on your way to Rome. You're on your way to Rome. You're on your way to Rome. Clama a mí, yo te responderé. Te enseñaré maravillas las cuales tú nunca has visto imaginado. You're on your way to Rome. You're on your way to Rome. Greater things. He's turning it around completely for his glory in your favor. About to see people come to Jesus through your testimony like never before. You're on your way to Rome. I'm going to give the mic to Pastor. Look up here for a second. During COVID, we did, I produced a film called Flaming Hot. Uh, during COVID, it got tanked and it got shelved for many reasons. And myself, um, my co producer, uh, Devon Franklin, and Eva Longoria directed for us. But it got shelved. If you from the industry, you know what that means. They just put it away. It wasn't going to come out in any theater, that sort of thing. And so God gave me a, a word about movies and all that. We already did Breakthrough, and this would be my second major one. And I'm thinking, you know what? There's a promise there. So everything began to just fall apart, just like Paul's ship. We shook things off. My wife and I literally went home, and we went, we're, we're, we're not, we're going to reject this. We're not going to accept it. We're going to, and it's not just like super hyper faith. It's just God's promises, man. God's not a liar. And so I'm going to stand on his word. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to confess that word. I'm going to believe that word. And I'm not going to be driven by the circumstance. So then I got a call. And, and the call, it's like, hey, Sam, Pastor Sam, you might want to sit down. and go, what's going on? Remember your movie that's like shelf right now, not going to go anywhere, not going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, we just got a call. What's the call? You're not going to believe this. I go, just tell me, man. A certain studio picked up your film. And I go like, okay. I go like, no, you have no idea. You really want to sit down. I go, would you just finally tell me? Well, Pastor Sam, a movie, it's called Flaming Hot. Some of y'all may have seen it. It's about a guy who came, you know, to Christ and the whole marketing component of Flaming Hot Cheetos, but just more about marketing and faith and family and Richard Montañez. And they said, all right, the studio that picked it up, it's not just any studio. So I go, what is it? Disney picked up your film. It will be the first film that will stream on two platforms, Disney and Hulu. We launched it. It came out. It streamed in the month of June. We broke streaming records on Hulu, one of the top stream films on Disney's platform. And now it's being like nominated for some stuff and even a possible nomination for a certain award for a music score and all that. All I'm telling you is this. We literally shook things off. We held on to God's promises. And God said, I'm going to reward you with even a higher thing. Somebody shout, I'm on my way to Rome. I'm on my way to Rome. Join hands with your neighbors. Do it. Confess it. Believe it. I'm going to encourage you to just stand on God's promises. I'm going to encourage you to learn as a believer to shake things off. Hold on to God's promises. Never let go of them. Get to Rome your place of destiny where his light will shine upon you for his glory and people come to him as Lord and Savior through your testimony. That's your role. Here we go. May the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son, the anointing of the Holy Spirit make this year the year you and your family get to your role. Live out your God-ordained destiny in every sense of the word. God's purpose. One Psalm 138 verse 8 will be fulfilled in your life. It will be fulfilled in your life. There's not a devil in hell or a demon on earth that can stop it. You're under the blood of Jesus and the blood speaks for you. You're on your way to Rome. We love you. We bless you. There is a book out there, media team, if you want to put up the graphic. You want to pick up that book. It's called Your Mess, God's Miracle. It was featured on Fox News and it became a top bestseller. And the devotional came out, Walk Out of Your Mess. If you pick up Your Mess, God's Miracle, if you pick up that book, and then the one in the corner here, walk out of your mess on Amazon. I have a book for you free in the lobby area. I'm not selling books. I'm giving a book out free uh, for those that purchase that book and that book on Amazon. Your mess, God's miracle, and walk out of your mess. That just came out last week. So purchase them, and there's a free book waiting for you in the back. I was saying something before I was really interrupted by myself. May the strength of the Father, the grace of the Son, the anointing of the Holy Spirit make this year 
the year you and your family get to Rome. Hey, let's do one thing together in your life for him. In Jesus' name, let's go change the world. God bless you and God keep you. If you're on your way to Rome, give him one more shout and high five five people.